The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Christ is risen. Well, today's the day we set aside to remember the one person who in all the world who loves you best, who takes care of you, who loves you no matter what. You might think the answer to who that is is pretty simple. It's Mother's Day, right? We're talking about moms. And that is exactly a correct answer. But you know, it's not the only answer God gives us today. Because there's one person who loves you just as much as your mom, even more. One person who cares about you even more deeply. One person who exists solely to take care of you, and his name's Jesus. Today is Mother's Day, and it also happens to be the day that we call Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, Every year, fourth Sunday after Easter, we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday, and I personally really like it when it falls on Mother's Day, which it often does. And the reason I like it is because, well, It helps us, I think, Mother's Day helps us understand what God intends to teach us on Good Shepherd Sunday. Mostly because you and I, if you're like me anyway, we don't really know that much about sheep or shepherds. I I didn't spend much time frolicking in the pastures with the sheep growing up. I don't know if you did or not. But if you didn't, if you're like me, maybe then when you hear the words of that most famous psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, Well, maybe you're like me and you don't have a visceral, emotional reaction to those words. Just simply because the picture of sheep and shepherd might be something you've heard in church, but you've never really experienced. But the truth is, God intends for us to have a visceral, emotional reaction when we hear Jesus say that the Lord is our shepherd. The trouble is we're just... We're just missing the cultural context for that to hit us in the same way as it would have Israel. So that's why I love it when Mother's Day and Good Shepherd Sunday fall on the same day because, you know, I think in our mothers and in the picture that God gives us about how he cares for us through them, we can find that visceral and emotional reaction of what it means to be shepherded by God. Because I might not be able to identify very much with shepherd and sheep, but I tell you what, I know enough to see the similarities. Uh, You know, five days a week we've got a preschool running here, and there's mornings with mommy happening. There's all these little kids all over this facility, right? When you see them, I'm always struck by how much, like a two-year-old is like a sheep. They can't take care of themselves. They can't feed themselves. They go running off all over the place, usually with the moms chasing after them, trying to bring them back to the right direction. They get themselves in plenty of trouble, usually right outside my window. There's a flower bed there that they like to get in trouble in. And if they get in real trouble, what do they do? They cry. They cry and wait for mom to come and make it better. That's actually the kind of relationship that Jesus was intending to, to evoke in our hearts when he says, I am the good shepherd. He says he wants to take care of us like a mother takes care of a toddler that keeps them out of trouble, that makes sure they go where they're supposed to go, that is the answer to everything that frightens them. And it's interesting to remember on this day that 
our country sets aside to remember mothers that, you know, the way Jesus takes care of us primarily when we're little is through the hands and the heart and the hugs of this woman that we call mom. So today, as I want to walk through this amazing piece of poetry called the 23rd Psalm, and on this Mother's Day, remember how God has shepherded us through the woman who gave us birth and shepherded us in a way that, that makes us marvel at the emotion that he intends to evoke in us. Listen to Psalm 23. It starts out this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. The good shepherd is a lot like moms today. And if you ask a mother, I mean, when your kids are little, how often during a day do they express what their needs are to you? Right? What they want, what they gotta have, what they need right now, whether it's their pants changed or a snack or a toy or whatever else. And then you add to it all the long list of what their husbands want. And mom have a long list of wants at the end of the day, don't they? But here's the thing Jesus says, The Lord is my good shepherd, I shall not want. But it's interesting what he means. Did you ever notice that the best mothers are the ones that don't give their children everything they want? Right? The best mothers are the ones who don't give their children everything that they want. Because they teach their children that not everything that you want is good for you. I will give you everything that you need, and I will give you everything good that I can, but I'm not going to give you everything you want because I just love you too much for that. Love you way too much to give you everything you want. That's the same promise that God gives us through our Good Shepherd Jesus. He promises to give each of us exactly what we need. But sometimes we need to learn contentment with what God's given us. And I remember when I was a little kid, my mom always used to say, she said, if you're not happy with what you have, you're never going to be happy. Her point is that contentment is a a state of the heart, a state of the mind. It's, It's a blessing that comes from the Spirit to be able to look around at what the Good Shepherd has given us and say, I've learned to be content in in every situation. Because here's the thing, maybe God hasn't given you the same thing as he's given other people. You might be right. If you feel like deep down in your heart, maybe other people are more blessed than you. Maybe they're better looking than you, or smarter than you, or richer than you, or you think they're more fulfilled than you. Those things all may be true, but here's the thing. Your Heavenly Father never promised to give you everything you want. He has promised to give you everything you need. He hasn't promised to give you everything you want. He loves you too much for that. Because sometimes what we want isn't what's best. So it's a heart of faith and trust in this Good Shepherd that Jesus intends to grow in each one of us to take a look at what God's put in front of us and say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't lack anything. But it's important, it's important to remember that this good shepherd, he's uh, he's not holding out like a plan for us that's filled with sparse blessings, no? No, not at all. Listen to the next verse of this poem. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Right. Green pastures and quiet waters for a sheep, this is like going to Disney World. Right? This is everything you could ever hope for. Lush green grass on which to feed and quiet waters 
from what I understand about sheep, they don't like to drink from rapidly moving water like in a bubbling stream. They, it's too scary. They want quiet, still waters. And look what our good shepherd promises us. Lush pastures, still water, just the way we want it. But what is this talking about? You might think when he's talking about sheep eating and drinking that, uh, that maybe this is about God's promise to take care of our physical needs. But that's not the point. See, the way that Hebrew poetry works is the next half of this verse shows, shows the, the parallelism of what's going on here. The result of lush pasture and still waters the result is this. So he leads me beside quiet waters. He re- oh, excuse me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And the result is he restores my soul. Okay, so what, what is God promising here? What is he promising that uh, what green pastures and still waters have the result that my soul is restored, that my heart is at peace? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about God feeding your faith with the message of salvation, that message, of, that story of Jesus that ends with him saying, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I'm gentle and humble of heart. It's that message that brings peace to a soul that's racked with sin, with a certain message that those sins are forgiven because of his work on the cross. It's, it's the message that brings peace to a soul that's worried about dying with the message that Jesus has conquered death forever. He took that crown from the pale brow. See, Jesus is promising us here to give us everything we need that our souls might find rest in him. And that's what's happening right now, right? Every time you come into this house of God, Every time you open up your Bibles at home, every time you kneel down and remember the promises of our Heavenly Father, Jesus is keeping that promise of lush pastures and still waters that remove the strife and the worry and restore the peace of our soul. You know, on a Mother's Day, it's probably a good time to remember the important role that mothers play in that for the sheep. So remember, Jesus, he, uh, he cares for us using the people around us. And, and moms, uh, when your children are little, you're the primary person that Jesus is using to bring his little sheep to green pastures and to still water. You know, I, I uh, don't know that I've ever loved my wife more than those years when we had three little kids. And Sunday after Sunday, she'd pile them in the church, wrestle with them on the way, maybe bribe them a little bit, maybe shake her finger at them a little bit, you know, shuffle them around in the pew, doing all those things that mothers have to do. But what she was doing was bringing Jesus' little sheep to the lush pastures and the still waters of the gospel. You think of all the prayers and the time you spend simply sharing Jesus' love in their life. Moms, I gotta say, there are days when you might feel like it's not worth the effort. It's, it's just wrong. It's the most important thing you can do for them. It is more important than making sure they learn math. It is more important than them getting into a good school or finding a good job or eventually getting good health care. Those things are all things we want, but they're not something that we absolutely need. This one thing, this relationship with our good shepherd is the one thing that we need most of all. 
Bring them to the green pastures and the still waters. And you fathers out there, don't make them do this alone. Right? Don't make them do this alone. When your kid comes to you and has a question about faith, don't be the dad who says, go talk to your mother. Mm -mm. When you're making plans for the weekend and you're trying to figure out how church fits in, don't make your mother or your wife and the mother of your children be the one who has to say, let's go to church. You, you be a leader. Say, I rejoice with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because here's the thing, it's the most important thing you can do for those children. The most important. God uses parents to tend to the faith of their children. That's how he does it, right? God's not sending angels down to teach your children about Jesus. He uses you. Your job is to be the shepherd of your children's faith, whether they're four months old or four years old or 14 years old. And for those of you who are finally empty nesters, I hate to break the news to you, it doesn't stop then. Right? It doesn't stop then. Because here's the thing. Your job as parents is to lead your children in faith. And it's really important remembering that leading your children sometimes isn't about what they want. It's always about what they need. In that regard, you're just like Jesus. He promises not always to give us what we want. He loves us too much for that. Our job instead is to guide them, to guard them. Listen to what Jesus says in this. He said about our good shepherd, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means Jesus wants us to live for him, right? He wants to lead us, to guide us, that we might live lives in his name rightly, that means in righteousness. He says he wants you to live your life in such a way that people around you look at your life and praise Jesus' name because of your life. Have you ever heard of yes parenting? One of my favorite things over the last few years I got to read about yes parenting. Um, by, a lady by the name of B. Marshall had the thing called yes parenting where she uh, talks about the idea behind it is that if you... Uh, if you say no to your children all the time, then you're a negative parent, okay? So she's all about yes parenting. So if you say no all the time, you're a negative parent. When I first read this article, Jenny and I sat down and tried to figure out if we were positive parents or negative parents. We'd raised three children and we tried to count up and estimate how many times we said no to them. It was somewhere around 984,386 times I think we said no. We pretty solidly would have fallen on the side of being a no parent in the eyes of B. Marshall. Um, but so her idea is that if you can't be a negative parent, kids need to determine for themselves what's right and what's wrong. Um, so for example, they would get to determine their own bedtime. They'd get to determine what they eat. They could decide whether or not they want to swear at you. Anything goes. Uh, in fact, one example that B. gave in this article was that she had her cell phone plugged into the wall and her, her child used a pair of scissors and cut through the live electrical cord. You don't say no. You say, wow, you really like cutting things. And then she went out and bought a bunch of mobile cords for him to cut. The problem with this kind of parenting, well, we can see all the problems with this kind of parenting, but let's talk about maybe, maybe none of us are a yes parent. But all of us have a tendency, a temptation, to be a parent that, well, 
maybe it's that we want to please our children, or maybe we want to take the easiest path or the path of least resistance, and we're tempted to, to think maybe children need to make up their own mind on some things that God's been really clear about. Maybe we're tempted to let ourselves think that our children can just make up their own mind about faith or morality or things like that as they get older. We don't want to be a negative parent after all. It's not being a negative parent. You know what that's being? Not a parent at all. God's called on you to be a leader, a guide, a shepherd for your children. That means you have to do every one of those things. <laughs> you know, it's not about giving our children freedom. It's about giving our children direction. Right? Freedom, freedom can be quite overrated if it's in the wrong context. Right? If I take a toddler out back in the woods, back here, and set him free, am I doing him a favor? That's not freedom. That's danger, right? That's danger. Instead, my job with that toddler is to take care of that child, to direct that child. And that's true whether they're a toddler or whether they're 14 or whether they're 24. It's not about freedom but guidance. Be a mother. Be a parent who's just like Jesus. Never afraid to call our family back from a wrong path. Never afraid to say this is what God's plan is for us. Always ready to forgive the sheep that like to wander patient with the little sheep, leading with the older sheep, but always bringing them to the still waters and the green pastures of our Good Shepherd. Because I tell you what, if, if they know Jesus, well, they're ready for anything this life might throw at them. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So when you're parents of little children, it's true that you can control most aspects of their life. You can pick which playdates they go on, what car seat they ride in, whether or not they have a helmet on when they're riding a scooter, what movies they're allowed to watch, what things they're allowed to eat. When your children are little, you can keep them protected and guarded from many, many things, and that's your job. But the day is coming quickly, when they're not going to be in your nest anymore. The day is coming quickly when you won't be able to protect them from everything, but like all of us, they'll have to walk through the dark valleys. So here's the one thing you can do. When you bring them to their good shepherd, when you do everything you can to keep them in their shepherd's fold, well, then they're ready even if they have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because Jesus has promised, I'll be with them. It's going to be my rod and my staff that will comfort them. And it turns out Jesus' rod and Jesus' staff could extend a whole lot farther than we parents, whether our kids are four years old or 40 years old. So put them in the care of the real shepherd. Because, you know, the promises he makes, they're just wild. I, sometimes I think we have to put some of Jesus' promises into contemporary models for us to understand just what he's saying. Like in, in the closing parts of this poem, Jesus is talking about, you know, uh, I, the, uh, well, where he says, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's kind of like churchly words that we've said so many times maybe we don't think about. But this is like being in the tribal lands of Afghanistan and you're surrounded by the Taliban and they want to kill you. 
And Jesus suggests it's a good place for a picnic. You're thinking, well, the guys with AK-47s, they might disagree, Jesus. And he's like, all right, I got you. Folds out a blanket, brings out the sandwiches, and hands you a lemonade. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There is no enemy so great, no cancer so pervasive, no job loss so devastating, no relationship so strained that your good shepherd can't lay out a table and hand you a sandwich and say, trust me, just trust me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. You know, this message that we have of the Good Shepherd is, is just an amazing one, not for us just to think about on Mother's Day, but especially when we leave here and our children grow. The psalm finishes by saying, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And the psalmist there, the words he used actually, it doesn't talk about God's love being passive. It talks about the mercy and love of God chasing after us, following us through life, Kind of, like the, uh, kind of like that mother who follows around the toddler all around the church building, wanting to get in trouble wherever he can go. But the mercy and love of God follows us all the days of our life. When we have a relationship with the Good Shepherd, we're not just ready for every, anything. We're ready for everything. A lifetime, an eternity, a relationship that long after you're dead and gone, your children will still live in the arms of the Good Shepherd and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.